Welcome to another episode of the Awareness Advantage Podcast, where leaders who are good at getting stuff done become great leaders to influence and inspire people. I'm your U.S. co-host and best-selling author, Kevin McCarthy, joined by my good friend, Canadian business partner, and best-selling author, Licky Labji. If you have not yet done so, click subscribe so you never miss an episode. And now, the Awareness Advantage Podcast. When is it in your typical day where you feel like you might be the least in tune with your emotions or the emotions of others? After three hours of sleep, maybe? (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is Veronica. I could probably say if I feel like I'm under attack. Mm, Yeah. It's hard then to be clear about what I'm feeling or observing. Mm, very good point, Veronica. And I don't mean to hog the uh, the microphone here, but I that happened to me just last night. So I play uh, I, I play amateur pool in a uh, in a league, much like a bowling league. But we go to play pool, and most people go there to drink beer and then play pool, but or whatever their drink of choice is. And I've been doing a certain behavior for over a year with the bar, like asking the bar to do some special favor and they've been doing it. No problem. So I did that last night. It's just to get an extra pool table to practice when I'm, all the other ones are busy, basically a little favor. And suddenly the general manager comes over to me, finds me with all of my teammates present and starts chewing me out. Literally felt like an attack and she was shaking. I mean, she was that upset and Veronica, to your point, it's like for just a moment, I was about to slip. Fortunately, I caught myself, but I just felt like, okay, I'm in my defense mode suddenly. And that is hard to stay in a very reasonable, rational state of mind when we get into that defense mode, isn't it? Yeah. Right. It all worked out. We worked it out. We got it understood. And she, she was the general manager, just never knew that all her staff was catering to my favor. So when she found out she was livid. <laughs> so you got them all fired, Kevin. That's wonderful. That's, that's well, really good job. Hey, it wasn't my fault. I didn't know. <laughs> so Veronica, uh, th- thanks for bringing that up. And that's a, it's a great, um, uh, analogy regarding anger and attack. I mean, I don't know the situation that you're dealing with and even with you, Kevin, good on you for uh, diffusing it by speaking about it. But as we feel attacked, are we literally being attacked or is it our perceptions that we're being attacked because of the understanding that's happening to us? So I'll throw that one out there a bit. I mean, I think we can all get in our head (laughs) and I think it's being able to hit that pause button, take a step back. You know, for me, it might be a few deep breaths just so that I can kind of catch myself and better analyze the circumstance. But naturally, it's a reaction. You want to almost kind of react or you might even freeze. It just mm. depends on the circumstance. Yeah, there's a, you know, there's a few reactions some of us have, you know, fight, fact, flight, totally walk away or freeze in the situation. And it's great to freeze because then you can pause when we're feeling attacked or when that conversation is happening, sometimes we don't have that 
that thought process to think, what do we need to do? So building that muscle memory is incredible. And there's that EQ, right? You need that emotional intelligence to be able to realize, uh-oh, something's happening here. I'm not sure. But we quickly jump to the, I'm being attacked or the negative thoughts because that's just the way we are. And uh, Kevin, you've got a great exercise on rewiring your brain from negative thinking, right? Called ACE and ICE. Yeah, for sure. A little bit of correlation there with the, uh, the negative thoughts and being attacked if we're feeling attacked. Um, but generally speaking, if you have, uh, negative thoughts, here's the, here's the basis for what, what I'm about to share. Neuroscience now has proven what has been suspected for ages, maybe all the way back to biblical times for, for all practical purposes that we can actually change our hardwiring. We can rewire the synapses in our brain. So now we know this medically, um, which basically means we can change a negative disposition to a positive disposition. We don't have to always remain the same temperament, if you will, that we have been, if we want to be deliberate to make some changes. So this is sort of that positive psychology, you know, bent now backed by neuroscience. Well, here's what Licky's talking about. One exercise to start that process is changing a evolutionary bias called the negativity bias. We all have that negativity bias. Like it's, you know, I don't know how far back it goes or what we want to, let's just call it evolutionary for a second. Um, whether you believe in that or not, beside the point, it's this mechanism that we all have for survival, right? It's like, be alert, be aware. What's the danger? What's the negative? How do I survive? But that sometimes hinders us from being our best self because that negativity takes over and it messes with the narratives in our heads. It messes with our day. I mean, it can ruin a lot of things. So next time you think a negative thought, the exercise is to immediately trap that thought, stop it and replace it with a thought of gratitude for a minimum of 15 seconds. That sounds easy. 15 seconds. That's nothing. Yeah. Try it. Try thinking something that you're grateful about for 15 straight seconds without other interfering thoughts trying to capture your brain, right? Um, but next time you have a negative thought, and maybe it's uh, maybe even, even in one of those moments where you're feeling attacked, change it. What are you grateful for? Who are you grateful for? And ponder on that for a minimum of 15 seconds. It's a It's a repetitive exercise. You keep doing that. You get better at it, first of all. And eventually you can learn how to start to control those negative thoughts that want to actually try to control you. Okay, Kevin, let's try that right now. I'm going to start the timer at 15 seconds and get your mindset for grateful thinking starting now. And that was 15 seconds. Nice. Well done. As you were saying that, Kevin and, and Veronica, as we feel attacked sometimes, or as we feel talked upon or as talked to, I wonder how others feel about us when we're just talking and they feel talked upon or attacked based on our language and our perceptions and where we're coming from. Put yourself in that shoe just for a moment. And then I wonder if we can actually understand what the other person's feeling when they're speaking to us and we feel attacked. 
Because I know I've been in many situations where I've just said something without any harm intentions at all. And the other person's taken it totally wrong because of the place that they were at or just the conversation just didn't land. How do you resolve those things as well? Yeah, I guess for me, it would be more like, I think if I'm being attacked, I feel like, okay, I've done something wrong. <laughs> and I really try very hard not to do anything wrong. But to your point, yeah, you do have to be conscientious. And a lot of times people don't give you the feedback that's necessary so that you can reflect and make changes. But when you do get the feedback, it's very important and very critical to evaluate that so that you can be more aware moving forward. So it definitely is awareness level. Yeah. Veronica, I think you said something really key there as well is that when people speak, they don't ask the clarifying questions after or clarify what they're actually speaking about sometimes and don't give you the opportunity to resolve the issue. They're all in their own head at that point. So a good point on that one. And how do you resolve that is the question, I guess. How do we manage that ourselves moving forward? What are some of the tricks that we have? I'll jump in on this one. You know, there's always cause and effect. And so I have this little saying, perception's reality, it's not always actuality. And so with our perception, it feels very real to us or feels very real to them. It doesn't mean that it's actual. And so if we take a curiosity position rather than a judgment position or insecurity position, then we can actually, we would be uh, in a position to ask questions and, and get those clarifications before we react. Uh, it takes training of the mind. But the reason that works is back to the neuroscience. When we are triggered, what happens is our primal part of our brain takes over, goes into crisis mode, and that the fight and flight comes because our brain is being flooded with adrenaline. And so it actually interrupts our prefrontal cortex, which is the reasoning part of our brain. And so it's like if you can picture a snow globe being shaken, your thoughts are like a thousand little snowflakes floating around in that, in that little glass ball. And it's really hard to sort your feelings out and sort your thoughts out. So you have to activate the prefrontal cortex in order to help your brain process. And what does that is a question. As soon as you ask yourself a question, your prefrontal cortex will send a message to the primal saying, hey, everything's okay. Calm down. Let's just let the dust settle here. And we're going to think this one through. <laughs> and what happens then is that that fight or flight goes away because the uh, adrenaline stops. And actually, your brain will release dopamine. The prefrontal cortex will release dopamine so that the, your, your whole being can calm down a bit to figure this out. And so that's why that works. When, whenever you are in flight or fight mode, what you want to do, or freeze, or the other, there's a fourth one called fawn which is just complying. And so it, it, you want to activate that prefrontal cortex so that it actually you can take charge of your brain again. So you can take charge of the thoughts. And curiosity helps you do that because curiosity always asks a question. And so rather than being in defensive mode, go into curious mode. Oh, so now what I do when somebody where, where I'm perceiving that somebody's attacking me, what I'll do is ask my question, I wonder what's happening in their day today that they're so upset. I don't even take it personally yet because I haven't actually had time to talk to them yet. They're too upset. And so I just take a curiosity position. And then I ask myself, I wonder how I could help them. That is a fundamental shift for me. If you knew me before, 
I had an anger management problem, I would just react out of the primal every single time. And it would be full judgment. Doesn't matter what they, if they accuse me of something directly or they just implied that I was failing in some way, I would like lose my mind. So it was that principle of disbursement or replacing that redoing the neural pathways in my brain. So my first response now is curiosity. So you can train your brain to respond in curiosity. And as you do that, you get awareness. When you get awareness, now you can make decisions. You have the choice. That's my thought. That's great, Mark. Thanks, Mark. If you are in leadership at any level, from frontline manager to chief executive, Licky and I would like to invite you to join the conversations in our live virtual studio audience every Thursday or any Thursday that you are available from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific time. For more information, please visit us at blindspots.vip forward slash audience. That's blindspots.vip forward slash audience. Now, back to the program. Cindy has a great, great uh, response or how I wonder how I can help them. That's a, it's a great way of stopping and thinking about what, what to say next. It's interesting, uh, Mark, you, know, you bring up a really good point is we as human beings don't stop and think. We just respond sometimes and react. And, you know, I'm working through that process and it's important for us to be able to really understand and be curious where the other person's at. That's key. One of the things I've, I've worked on is living by intention. There aren't too many really bad people out there, especially in my circle. So if that's the case, they're not out to hurt you. So it's just the intention that you have to look at all the time, as opposed to reacting to what they're saying and where your mind's at at that point. And that's one of the premises that we take in blind spots is that we're all good people with good intentions. We simply make bad choices at times. Uh, of course, separate from the sociopaths and psychopaths, which, like Licky said, don't we don't hang around that crowd. Try not to. Licky, yeah, uh, we have a we have a great tool. I think some of you may know it. When you are in any kind of visceral reactionary mode, where you feel attacked, or whether it's fear or whatever it is, think in terms of STP, not the uh, engine additive, but STP is stop, think, and proceed. So if stop temporarily, this is where you pause, then you need to think deeply. And during that thinking is where you can ask those questions, you know, be curious, um, get context, uh, figure out what the assumptions are, any kind of perspectives that need to be uh, looked at, uh, and then proceed deliberately to, to Licky's term there. It's like oftentimes we don't do one or all of these steps. You know, we, uh, we're not thinking, we just react. Uh, therefore we're not proceeding deliberately. We're proceeding like automatically. And it's that automatic processing that can get us in a lot of trouble. Back to your curiosity statement, Mark, there is another part of that curiosity that I, that I feel like I want to bring up because, uh, I think what you said was, was phenomenal. Um, you know, what's going on in their day, you know, Hey, how can I maybe help? But I think there's another side to this that, that we all personally need to own, which is that curiosity questions, uh, you know, like, I wonder if they're right. 
uh, I wonder if there's, you know, something I'm doing. Yeah. I'm wondering if there's something I'm not doing. I wonder if there's a better way I can behave or better way I could have said things or, you know, so it's, it's both just, it's curiosity, period. I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. You need to ask yourself, what have I done to contribute to this situation? Right. Well, but the other, I was going to answer Cindy's question too, is, is that that curiosity can also help someone else. You're asking how you can help them. That's how you ask. You want to ask and seek understanding. And when you are seeking understanding, it calms somebody down because they realize you care. So that actually that curiosity will work all the way around. And you can even just say that to the person. Hey, I want to understand why you're upset. Let, let's just go for coffee or let's just sit down for a minute and let's talk about this. So as soon as you show that interest, the level comes down for them well. So that can actually help somebody. That's great. Yeah, thanks, Mark. I, I often say that the two most powerful growth moments in my life, one, and it's the same coin, two different sides. The first one was when I started taking responsibility for me. So that curiosity question was, well, what did I do here? How, do, how can I help? How can I be part of the, the healing here? And then the second side of that coin is I stopped taking responsibility for other people's feelings and behaviors. And so when that happened, now I didn't feel that personal attack anymore because before I would take responsibility for how they were feeling. What did I do? That can go negative too, Kevin. Like, what did I do to, uh, I must have done something wrong here. I, I'm under attack or whatever, right? And it's like, I stopped taking responsibility. I, did, I, I always often tell people, you can't offend me. And they always say, well, of course they can offend you. you no, I choose to be offended or not. People can't make me be angry. I choose to be angry. And as long as I could, it was, as soon as I took that responsibility, oh my goodness, the anger thing lost its grip on my, on my thoughts in my brain. Mm -hmm. I realized, yeah, nobody can actually make me angry. I choose to be angry. And so I'm going to choose not to be, <laughs> I'm going to choose to be curious. And it was very empowering and it took time. Don't, you know, I'm giving you the, the post report. It, it sounds very simple. It is simple. It's not easy. It took, a, it took a while practicing that. But if you do practice it, you can retrain your brain. Well, Mark, uh, based on our starting to, based on our talk, you, you, had a, you and I had a really good conversation yesterday. And this is kind of what we talked about. And it's the, the way we react sometimes, right? But the anger or whatever it is, it's coming from a deeper reason. Shame, blame, limiting beliefs or rejection possibly. And... When you've got those in your in, in the background, it's hard to stop and say it's my why am I being angry or stop because you've got to deal with the underlying issue, which is the shame and the blame, before you can actually get there. Yeah, this is the cause and effect that yeah. I was talking about earlier. Yeah. There's always something deeper. Anger, by the way, anger is, in, is is always a secondary emotion. It it's never the first emotion. So just so you know. The psychologists say it's never the first emotion, it's a secondary emotion. That means you've experienced a different emotion before you got angry. So if you can actually start to become aware of what that first emotion was and where it's coming from, you will be empowered to overcome the anger and be able to uh, make those shifts and changes. If I don't, if I'm unaware of that, that's why emotional intelligence is so important. It's not, it's not a case of, you know, being the smartest kid in the class. It's, it's, it's about if you have awareness, if you have that level of awareness, you can start to really track and understand why you react the way you react. And you start to ask those questions about how I can make changes. How do I need to, you know, change your mind, change your life, right? So you 
I have to change my mind in this area. And that's, yeah, that's, that's exactly it. Like it's always something deeper. It's, it's usually not even about the situation or the circumstance or the person that you're uh, in the battle with. It's usually uh, something else that's going on deeper down. Insecurity, resentment are some of those deeper emotions. Yeah. Shame is huge. And uh, just maybe to give an example of that secondary emotion, being anger is like, for example, somebody might say something that triggers you to be angry, like separate from the idea that maybe you've been emotionally intelligent enough to not get angry, but let's just say that they triggered you to have that expression of your, I'm angry. I feel angry. Potentially what they did or said first emotion may have actually been hurt. You may have felt hurt, but you are interpreting that as anger because you're adding a narrative to the original emotion. And that's the difference between, uh, technically difference between emotions and feelings as we add narratives. Yeah. We're, we're all great storytellers for ourselves. Oh yeah. It's also important to mention that I don't, I, you know, we went down the anger trail here, but it, it's important to mention anger is not a bad thing. It's actually designed to help you. Like anger is a, the fight or flight is to protect you in a, in a, in a moment. Like if you come at if you're hiking and you come over the crest and there's a bear on his hind feet, <laughs> you, you don't want to turn off the emotion of anger. So anger is actually designed to help you. It's like a red light on your dashboard saying, hey, engine alert, there's something wrong here. And so it's a, it's a way of you starting to, it's actually an invitation to ask those questions. Why am I feeling angry? What's going on? Because it's, it means that your needs or your desires, something's not being met in your life emotionally. And so you then have to look and dig deeper down to find out why. So we got to take the stigma off of anger. Anger is not a bad thing. It's what you do with it that becomes good or bad. If it's a catalyst for change, it's it's fantastic. If it's weaponized, it's not fantastic. Take that to the, uh, the workplace, for example, right? You can be angry because of whatever behavior your boss is doing. But if you think about that, process what is really causing, you know, what's really going on. Maybe it's a, it's a red flag to say my boundaries are being crossed. Right. And I need to speak up and be vocal about my boundaries. I'm not going to be treated this way. You will not talk to me this way. I am, I deserve, you know, to be treated with the same human dignity you want. It's a stimulus, Kevin. So then it, what it is, is a motivator. Look at, look at a sports team. Ref does a bad call. The team is all outraged and the next thing you know, they're down the ice and score a goal or they're, you know, throw a touchdown. It's because they're motivated. It, it, they've taken the energy of that anger and they put it into uh, forward. By the way, that the word anger in the Hebrew language is the same word as passion. So it's the same emotion. Passion or anger is the same emotion. It's just how it's placed. It's how it's expressed. And so you can actually use anger as an energizer to make change. To, to bring change into the workplace, to bring change into a culture of the workplace or whatever it is. So it's again, there it is. It's your friend. It's not a bad thing. It's just that you need to understand it. If you are in leadership at any level, from frontline manager to chief executive, Licky and I would like to invite you to join the conversations in our live virtual studio audience every Thursday or any Thursday that you are available from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific time. For more information, please visit us at blindspots.vip 
forward slash audience. That's blindspots.vip forward slash audience. Now back to the program. Here's a different approach on this one. You know, Kevin and Mark, we've done, you've done really well on explaining what anger is and how to respond to that. How do the others even know that they're getting angry? And how do you manage it? Look to learn from all of you what your thoughts are. Yeah. So for myself, I'm still not totally sure when I feel anger other than recognizing anxiety, because sometimes that's because my body's internalized it and turned it into something else. That's kind of my experience with anger. So Graham, I mean, I've been in a couple of uh, leadership meetings with you mm. and I've seen you get angry without <laughs> calling you gotten angry. And if you don't mind, I'll, I'll, I'll say what the physical attributes are. Sure. You go shut down. Mm. You stoic, shut down. No, and you can tell by your, I, I could tell because I'm looking for that, what your emotions are. And understand when you do that. Understand when you're going into that spot, when you're actually freezing. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure you're getting angry, but you are a thought processor. You're processing what's going on. I've never, ever seen you uh, react, which is a great thing. Yeah. I don't often react, but no. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, sometimes I do get angry, <laughs> but it's, uh, sorry, you, you mean you're, you're a human being? Mm -hmm. Wow. Good on you. Welcome. Welcome to the race. So for me, I try to be very conscientious of not projecting my unhappiness or pain or whatever onto somebody else, because, you know, I see it all the time. People have other underlying issues and they project how they feel on the others. And that is something I've really tried to do to be conscientious of. I'm sure there may be times that maybe I'm not as good at managing that. But for the most part, I try to be very conscientious of how I treat others and how I convey my feelings so that I'm not projecting negativity onto someone else. But I mean, definitely have room for improvement. Lots. <laughs> we all do. <laughs> this is a work in progress. No one ever arrives. There is no destination. It's a journey for sure. Right. It's good, Veronica. Graham, something you said, uh, I'm very similar in that respect. It's like, I don't generally react in anger. I used to, like Mark said, I, in my youth, I had an anger management issue, but I, I, I went through the same kind of thing, got some help for it. And so in 30 plus years, I have not expressed anger. I'll usually bottle it up. So my thing is I'll just kind of shut down. I'll just, I'll just be silent. And, uh, and I've learned to process that a little bit more and still have to, like, I was feeling a little angry last night, I had to process that. Right. But the caution also is when, if you're of that similar style where you just like to, you shut down and withdraw from the conversation, um, you don't want to ruminate, uh, you don't want to just let that fester because that's when it really becomes trouble. That's when uh, in, in our, in our blind spot assessment styles, uh, we, uh, warmly refer to as camp, uh, because it's competitor analyzer, uh, motivator, peacemaker, the peacemaker style tends to be a more of that, you know, hold it back. Don't show their emotions. Uh, but then they, it becomes a passive aggressive 
situation. At some point, you just can't hold it back any longer. Uh, and some people in the workplace now, some people will blow. And I don't mean going postal, quote unquote, although that happens. But I, you know, some people just let it all out and you're like, whoa, where did that come from? Others in that passive aggressive or, you know, that bottling up, they'll just disappear. They'll turn in their resignation. They'll quit. They'll move on because they've hold, they've held it back. So it's, it's learning like you're in the process of doing it. It's learning what that anger is, what it looks like, what it feels like, and then how to process it. Right. So that we can deal with it emotionally, intelligently. Yeah. Th thanks, uh, Kevin. And, uh, and I've noticed that about you lately because you do actually speak up now. You don't want to let it fester, which is great. It helps all of us, right? Um, and I'm the opposite. I'll just react right away. So I, I'm kind of slowing down a bit and, and think about that. The second part of that question I had initially was, how do you react to anger? Mm. Or when you're getting angry, what are, what are some of the diffusing steps that you have? Great question. And, uh, you know, actually, I'm going to step back. I'm going to ask, I'm going to clarify that a bit. It's not only anger either. It's when you're uncomfortable about what's happening. Because anger is such a hard word, right? We don't want to be angry. So maybe it's not anger. Let's not use anger. When you're getting uncomfortable, how do you react to that? So like with my partner, I will ask for a break. Like if I notice I'm getting really elevated and, and, and angry, I know I'm not going to listen to her anymore and I'm not going to be able to respond and hear what she's saying anymore. So I'll, I'll ask for a break too. Yeah. See that I'm just not able to listen right now. I love that. And to clarify them, I'm being curious on this one. What does that break look like for you? For me, that looks like leaving it going into different rooms and well, trying not to ruminate on it, but finding out what's going on with me, I guess, and just kind of giving it that bit of time to, to calm down. Oh, and also setting an expectation of when we'll return. Like, yeah, like, that's the one I'll give it 15, we'll give it 20 minutes. I'll come back in that time, but let's have a set period to, to take a bit of time to calm down. Yeah. I think that that's key there because it's communicating how long that break is and what the expectations are. That's great. Thanks. Thanks, Graham. Mm -hmm. Anyone else? Good. I think what would be interesting in this exercise um, is for you to identify the way you think you react, but then also the other person share with you their perspective of how they think you react. Oh, that's nice. I like, I like that layer. That's a good one. Yeah. Thanks. And Veronica, that's a, what you just said really uh, highlighted something for me as well, because stonewalling and avoiding are very similar behaviors, right? Uh, the peacemaker may want to avoid, but it may come across a stonewall. So the avoiding when you want to avoid and take some time off, like Graham says, you've got to communicate that or it comes across as stonewalling. We do a whole session on this in part of a leadership program, don't we, Kevin? This is we do. It's one of the main modules. Yeah. All right. Licky, where do we go from here? Everybody's, everybody's probably reading the nine behavioral blind spots. Well, yeah. And I guess, um, you know, as you're dealing with the hard conversation or the anger we were talking about earlier, and you see the nine behavioral styles, it's more of a question. How do you communicate that back to your partner or to the colleague that you're working with uh, on how you're feeling? Or do you? And this is a question. This is not a, like, we want to learn how the rest of the rest of you do things when conversations get hard. 
I think it really has to do with your rapport with the individual and that relationship. You know, is there trust really established there where you feel comfortable enough to provide that type of feedback without worrying about backlash? Uh, when you've ha- got a great relationship, I would imagine like the gentleman was talking earlier with his significant other, you know, that I would imagine would be an easier place where that may not necessarily be the case in the workspace. It just depends on the person and the relationship that you have with them. I would feel very comfortable having this conversation with my direct manager, no problem. But it would be more uncomfortable (laughs) to have that kind of dialogue with maybe someone else. But I'd be open to doing it. I just don't know if they would be feeling like they could fully be honest because a lot of people are is what I just have yeah. discovered. You know, I am probably brutally honest, but um, I've tried to learn how to tame that. So I definitely think it has to do with your relationships you have established. Yeah, that's great. And building that trust relationship is really key and important when you're dealing with the uh, communication as well. And however, it's actually okay to say I'm comfortable about this and it's not working for me or setting your own boundaries when you're feeling not heard, listened to, and communicating that too. You don't have to have a great relationship with somebody to do that. And you've got to protect yourself and Mm -hmm. set your own boundaries. That's good. I like that. Thank you for listening to the Awareness Advantage podcast brought to you weekly by the leadership team at Blind Spots Global, a multinational, multicultural leadership development organization specializing in transforming managers who are good at getting stuff done into great leaders who can influence and inspire others to achieve their best. If you have not yet subscribed, please do so now so you will never miss an episode. If you would like to join our live virtual studio audience and participate in the conversations, visit us at blindspots.vip forward slash audience. That's blindspots.vip forward slash audience. We hope to see you there.